Happy Sunday, everybody. It is October 9th, and you're here on Instinct Culture with myself, Denise Salcedo, and Will Washington for After the Week. And what a week it has been. This this week, this last seven-day period, legitimately feels like it has been a year's worth of wrestling content. So we're here to talk about the best and the worst. But before we get started, Will, good morning. How's it going? How's life? Oh, it's great. It is my normal Sunday and uh, by normal Sunday for those who don't know this and I'm pretty sure it's everybody because I've never said this but uh, I spend my Sundays um, at the church of Mariah Carey and what that means <laughs> I thought you that... were gonna say a church Will oh, I'm no. like oh Will's gonna open up about what he does like <laughs> no are you kidding me I spend my Sunday mornings um, with a playlist that I've curated over the years of basically my favorite Mariah songs. And I go through it while I make our Sunday breakfast. Um, I mean, it's kind of like church, right? Because it's the same stuff you hear, you've heard your entire life. But uh, nonetheless, it doesn't change. And you still get something new out of it each time. And uh, as a matter of fact, I just finished listening to uh, what song was playing right before we stop. Oh, breakdown, of course. Um, and then before that, I was listening to My All and um, and Butterfly. So it, it, this is the, the Church of Mariah. It's every Sunday, I play Mariah Carey songs. I cook eggs. I cook bacon. And anything else that sounds good, usually pancakes. But uh, God I will. You know, I'm just tired of this. Every week, you come out here on these shows and you're like, I'm so perfect. I know everything and I make eggs and bacon and I wake up early. You want to know what I was doing this Sunday morning? I woke up at 930, 30 minutes before the show. I woke up the second I tweeted that the show was going to happen in 30 minutes. And you know what I did? I rushed, poured myself a cup of coffee, did my face. So I wouldn't like dead on this show. And that's what I did in 30 minutes. And you're like, well, the whole family bonded and we made eggs and bread and all of this great stuff and here i am like dying of the hiccups right like two seconds before the show goes on she is dying of the hiccups by the way yeah they're kind of going down now but still you know it's just it's just like it gets to me well it gets to me look i i will say folks there is nothing better than uh like eventually being perfect no i was gonna say if you figure out a routine because like at some point i did used to just sit around and like my Sunday mornings were just a, a hard wake up for me, but I will say that the motivation of like, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, come on through because I usually make enough. I only have one leftover egg this time, but um, no, nah, I don't know. Just the motivation of, of getting up and ready. It's great stuff. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, we got so much to talk about here today because this week of wrestling, like, I, it's crazy because I just feel like there's so much. Will, when I was thinking about my top three and my worst and all of this, there was a million different directions that I could have gone in legitimately for this uh, particular, you know, show here today. Like, I almost felt like texting you and being like, hey, we should do five instead of three. But then I was like, nah, because we've been doing this whole thing. I don't want to, like, ruin this little groove that we've got going. So I decided not to do that. But basically, for those of you who are new to this show, uh, we do uh, basically what we do is we select our three best moments of the uh, the wrestling week based out of what Will and I saw. And then we choose our worst. However, we did switch up the format a little bit. We're going to do our two best 
our worst and then our best closing out the show. And I'm a little bit, so here's like the fool behind the scenes. Will and I never know what, we and, what we're choosing. Uh, I have no idea what he's choosing. He has no idea what I'm choosing. So this always leads to a little bit of like, you just don't know, right? And I feel like you and I, I feel like sometimes I try to guess what's going to be on your list. And there's times where I'm like half right, but then you surprise me and you throw in a little swerve in there. So I'm just like, okay, I don't know what to expect from Will. So I think this is going to be a fun show. Will, how'd you feel about the wrestling week uh, overall? Uh, dude, first off, wrestling week it might as well have just been wrestling weekend because like so much just took place from friday to it's only sunday like it was literally just over two days a lot took place um i felt good i walked away from this week just feeling really energized and just good about pro wrestling and i am like enthused and ready and jazzed to talk about all of it and uh it was hard to pick three it was really hard to just pick three things um my three things I, I bet you there's only like one thing between the two of us that is I just hope the, the one thing I just hope we do have one thing that's similar or one of us has this one thing that I think we need to have on this one of us needs to have it it's on just our a list matter of where it is on the list and I okay. think I'm gonna shock you with where mine is I think I'm gonna shock you because I'm I don't even know what's happening okay like I'm just like all right, I'm just going to go with my gut and we'll just see what the hell happens yeah, here. Let's All right. This. This now, before we get into our best, uh, heads up, everybody. If you want to get your question, comment, statement, hot take, uh, your recipe in here, I don't know, anything, uh, feel free to send it a super chat at any point throughout this show. Uh, super chats not only help us keep us funded, but they help me to pay Will to be on this show. So please do send in super chats at any point and I will make sure to uh read them out here on the show here today but let's do this i think we're ready uh will do you want to go first uh, for your yeah. third best pick and by the way i just want to apologize because i recognize what's likely happening right now that for some reason sunday mornings my picture is probably kind of jumpy where it like freezes for a sec and then um you're like la 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 yeah, you're like I you're you're giovanni vinci your maximum male models you're posing yeah, and I, I I went back and watched last week's show, and I saw my face like freezing every couple of seconds, and I'm like, oh my god, this is unbearable. But uh, does luckily this my, only happen to you on Sundays? Yeah, something's up with like my up speeds just on Sundays. I bet you it's fine right now, but um, literally Sunday morning, something's wrong with my connection, and I don't know what it is. Uh, so uh, I promise I will figure that out after this show because I just realized it's happening again. In the meantime. Numero race. Yeah, see, I could do this. Um, we have the return of Bray Wyatt is my number three. I'm so glad you put it somewhere. <laughs> I was afraid that it wasn't going to be talked about on this show, and I put it as the headline of this show. Yes. Um, now, look, I know it's easy to put this one at number one, um, but... You know, at the end of the day, for those who don't know me, I'm a very in-ring person. Um, so, you know, I, I, I tend to lean toward things that are happening in the ring. But I recognize how cool of a moment this was, how monumental of a moment this was, seeing Bray return to that reaction with all of the hype that surrounded it. Um, I thought the... Uh, the build to it was some of the most genius stuff that's ever been done in pro wrestling. Um, it's just, there's never been anything like 
how they built to this, starting with running the, the White Rabbit music at, um, at house shows, doing the QR codes on TV. Literally everything they did here was uh, almost masterfully crafted to get people going. Funny thing was, it didn't need like much of it. Almost the second the first White Rabbit thing happened, you saw people put up their lights, and immediately everybody's like, hey, is this a sign that Bray Wyatt's coming? Uh, and But yet they kept it going, and they kept people intrigued. They kept people on their toes. Everybody was trying to crack the codes. Some of the codes made no sense and, like, honestly didn't even need to. Like, it goes back to, like, you remember Chris Jericho's return in 07 where it was the save us dot two, 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 and everybody's like, what does this mean? And, like, everybody's trying to crack it, and Chris Jericho eventually revealed none of it meant anything. We were just literally just throwing together a bunch of gibberish and shit just to get people to want to know what this is about i felt like that's what this all was but at the end of the day who cares it kept people on their toes it kept people wanting to see what the next thing was going to be and uh everybody's patience paid off uh, almost uh almost to a fault right because during the main event there are people chanting we want wyatt like uh i think people were getting impatient and almost with the pay-per-view going off the air there was almost this feeling of disappointment in the air of like Oh my God, is this really not going to happen? Did they really just build us to extreme rules and there was no payoff? And then when those lights went out, it felt like everything was justified. Look, the, yeah, them, him going through all of the iterations of the character, which I feel like maybe I'm wrong here, but I kept seeing a lot of people not quite getting what that was. Cause I saw like, is it, is it a faction? Because there were all those things they were showing in the crowd. And I thought it was more akin to like Jericho's double or nothing entrance from 2019 where um, they did all of the uh, original iterations of Jericho before they ended up at uh, um, before he ended up at the current character, and I thought that's what they were going through, where they first showed the Husky Harris, then went to the cult leader Bray, then cut over to um, Firefly Funhouse, and like did all of this. We kept seeing these different iterations of Bray because the crowd still popped when they showed the fiend in the crowd. And I was like, I think that was supposed to be like a sign that we're not going to see the fiend, that all of this is Bray's past. Um, Cause they were going through each one uh, <laughs> where we saw each character. And then they went to the Firefly Funhouse, And then finally we ended up with the door in place. Bray makes his way through with the new mask. And I think the biggest bit of relief I got uh, for those that know me, I hate, 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 supernatural elements of pro wrestling. I think it's the worst thing that pro wrestling could possibly do is bring in just unrealistic bullshit. I, I hate it. Look, wrestling already requires enough suspension of disbelief to believe that an Irish whip could happen, right? So, like, um, I, I, it's hard enough with that, let alone, like, oh, look, now we have superpowers in pro wrestling. Can't stand it. My least favorite thing. Um, like, keep that stuff in impact. But, uh the biggest relief I got from the whole thing is when Bray removes the mask. It seems to just be a fairly normal subdued version of Bray. I really got a very humanized version of Bray out of that. Uh, when he, he showed his face and he had his piercings. He looked at the camera. He was emoting like, just like a guy. And like the fact that he's tweeting right now is kind of proof that I think we're kind of pulling back a little bit on supernatural Bray. And it feels a little bit more like, like more of a psychological Bray than anything else. And then he spoke to the camera. Things went out. It was great stuff. Uh, I liked it. I liked everything about it. That's probably going to be listed in at least 
top, I can't say five, definitely not, maybe 10, definitely like top 10 returns, like all time. It was great stuff. Uh, Bray Wyatt, he's back. And I don't know what this means for Bray as a um, performer because, uh, look, I've, I've seen all the debates on Twitter. I've seen all the entering stuff. I don't care about any of that. Uh, the only thing I care about is the storyline outcomes of things. And Bray Wyatt as a character has always been fairly destructive in that no one ever came out of a feud with Bray Wyatt better than they walked into it. So I have worries about that stuff, but there's somebody else booking it this time. So I'm encouraged by the idea that Bray could possibly live up to the potential that I never felt he hit before. That's that was my thing, too. And I'll be real with you. I'm on your side of things where I'm not really the supernatural type of person either. Like, that's just not what I'm personally drawn to. And here's the thing, like a lot of fans are and that's great. And that's the thing, like, I appreciated this kind of like, you know, when you see other people get excited about things and you're like, oh, that's good for them. Like, I'm so happy for you. Right. But it's not your personal thing that gets you like jumping out of your seat. That was kind of my situation for the Bray Wyatt thing, because I, you know, I'm, I like Bray Wyatt. I, I appreciate his creativity. I appreciate his mind. I appreciate what he's known for and everything that he has done. You know, you, you recognize creativity when it's there, okay? And on top of that, that's a very hard character to pull. Uh, any of those variations that Bray has done are hard characters to pull. Not anybody can do them. You really have to have that, like, you know, that it factor to do something like that and to be able to pull it off, to pull it off and also have, you know, hundreds and thousands of people, uh, you know, cheer for you and get excited about it and so with that being said like I'm not the biggest world's Brave Wyatt fan but I was still very happy to see the fans get happy over this you know everybody was so into the white rabbit and the QR codes and all of that stuff and you know when you see a like a huge group of people get excited about something there's really just like all you can do is be like happy about it right with that being said uh, the actual return, I thought my favorite part of the whole entire thing is the fake out. I really legitimately for a split second thought, oh my God, this show is ending and they're not doing anything. Like the second I saw the little end screen uh, credits come out right there in the corner, I thought, oh my God, this is, this is, why would they do this? Did they forget? Blah, blah, blah. So I fell for it. And I'm so happy that they did that because I had this moment of holy shit, bro, they just did the fans so dirty right now. Like a million little thoughts came into my head in that short amount of time. And the second the lights went down, it was like, okay, here we go. Like we know what this is all about. And it was more so like what I was interested in was how are they going to follow up with everything that they did with the QR codes? How are they going to meet the moment, right? You know, how are they going to actually grab a hold of the moment? And so when they did the, uh, you know, like you said, all of the different variations uh, or the past of Bray Wyatt, I didn't get that. I thought his like little characters were just coming to life. I was like, okay, they're all coming to life whatever you know that was kind of my analysis of that uh -huh. and so I do like your theory where you said that this was like the past of him because they also showed the Firefly Funhouse and it was you know all dusty with cobwebs etc looking like the old hocus pocus house so it's like See, I, I thought, thought it was Hoka cool I, I, I thought Husky Harris was the tell I thought that's where people were going to take away that no this was all supposed to be Bray's past no, um, <laughs> I thought they were just like his little Firefly front house friends coming to life. <laughs> I'm like, okay, they're coming to life. Congratulations for taking a role in this. You know, that's what I thought. Um, but then like, uh, 
I loved the part actually, like visually, visually, I loved the part of uh, the door, the door and how they like opened it and you just saw this big giant blue light. And then he finally creeps out of that door because there were a couple of times where I thought like, oh, that's Bray Wyatt. When they were showing the little, uh, the little people, the little, like, the pig and all of that. I thought, oh, it's Bray Wyatt, like at least five times. And then when they showed the fiend, I'm like, oh, there's Bray Wyatt. Oh, wait, that's not Bray Wyatt. <laughs> you know, so there's one of those things where I was like, okay, at some point, where are we getting here? Like, what else is going to happen? Is And there was a one point where I thought, is he even going to actually come out? Like, he better come out. Because that was one of the things that I had, like, a little bit worried. I was a little bit worried thinking, oh, my God, this is just going to be like a leave it up to you to decipher type of thing, which I think a lot of fans would have liked that given all the QR codes and the white rabbit stuff. But I think he had to be there in his physical form. So I was so happy that they, uh, you know, actually had him out there and whatnot. And uh, when you say he had more of this like human side, this is the thing like, we know that like Bray gets over, but then it falls flat. Why? Because, you know, they just go too far. They overproduce. They don't really know how to keep this character going, right? So now that Vince is not there with Triple H there, then, you know, the new regime, whatever you want to call it, uh, I do have a little bit more confidence in terms of I do hope that they listen a little bit more to Bray, right? Like, he's a creative guy. We know that. Maybe listen a little bit more to his ideas and maybe not try to go too far away from those ideas, right? Because yeah, the person I, I, knows the character the best themselves. I, I think it's a combination of that. Because I think certain wrestlers do need to have a filter, right? I think that there's certain guys who almost are, like, too creative for pro wrestling. Like, like Jeff Hardy is one of those guys who probably needs a little bit of a filter when it comes to just all of his ideas. Um, I just think, ultimately, you, needed, you need a character who's not going to essentially nerf the rest of the show. Uh, because I, I see somebody in the chat. I kind of want to bring this one up, but they had asked me, um, they said, so Will, you don't like super, uh, supernatural stuff, uh, so does that mean he doesn't like The Undertaker? Correct. Um, actually, <laughs> Are I you am. really not an Undertaker fan? So, uh, so here's my thing. Um, the stuff that took me out of The Undertaker is when uh, it went too far. Again, like I can take undertaker playing psychological mind games right the lights go out little things like that i can take the idea that he's playing mind games with his opponent then when he shoots lightning out of his fingers then i'm like okay we're lost here this is done this sucks um <laughs> or like somebody's burned alive but then they escaped like but how like that stuff sucks to me um even back then fact, you thought it sucked I because I wonder like okay let's say the Undertaker never happened in the period of time that it happened and let's say let's just say the Undertaker came out yet yeah, tomorrow for the first right. time ever we were seeing the Undertaker do you think that the reaction to the Undertaker would be different in this time and age than it was back then oh for sure uh well so part of it I think it would have been different just a couple years later because the thing about Taker when you think about Taker's run and like when I was a little kid yeah Undertaker scared the crap out of me um, right exactly that, that's though i was scared of papa shango by the way papa shango gave me freaking nightmares and i really thought that he made ultimate warrior just bleed motor oil for some reason but um the thing was when the mid 90s hit and wcw decided we're gonna take an approach to pro wrestling that like isn't necessarily stupid right we're gonna 
um, make it more realistic that, you know, Eric Bischoff, one of Eric Bischoff's uh, claims to fame, and I do agree that it was a good philosophy was, I want people to look at WCW, look at WWF and go, that stuff's fake over there, but the stuff we're doing over here, you know, might not be. And that was like perfect for me because I turned 10 right around the time the NWO came into play. And I was like done with hokey pro wrestling. I did That's not... when you stopped believing in the Easter bunny, yeah, the yeah, tooth I, fairy. But I was like done with characters like the undertaker. I was done with doing the clown. I was done with Isaac Yankum DDS. I was done with all of that stuff. And really I wanted to watch what was happening over on nitro because I felt like nitro wasn't insulting me nearly as much. And then really, it was like 98 when Undertaker kind of started to evolve as a character. And it's like, okay, he no longer has superpowers. He no longer has any of that. He's just like a dark gothic guy. And then that was like, okay, I can get back into this. And then when he started riding a motorcycle, I'm like, okay, that's a dude that like I see on the street. I can believe this. I can get into that. Look, Undertaker literally chewed tobacco and spit and made Tommy Dreamer drink it. That I can believe, right? Um, I... I just thought about that and it's actually freaking gross now that I'm like really thinking about it. But like Undertaker, like being a tobacco chewing biker, that's the Undertaker to me. That is who I know him to be. And so, yeah, when they started to take a step back again, it's like when it's psychological, that's one thing. And I think Bray can do that here. Um, it's when they go over the top and it's like, oh, Randy Orton just burned this guy to ashes. Where did he go? And why aren't we like, filing criminal charges here um this is <laughs> that's the stuff I, I like it. i can't handle um but yeah i i felt like just bray coming out and doing something new and that was what i gathered from all of this was that he showed us like i was worried it was going to be the fiend again and when he, they were going through all the past characters and the fiend was shown as part of all of that that gave me hope that it's like, okay, this is something new. This is something different. He's not doing The Fiend again. He's not doing Firefly Funhouse again. Though I liked some of that stuff. Um, and he's not doing even the, like, people were like, I want to see him do Backwoods Bray again. Didn't seem like that either. It seemed like, okay, we're just moving to the next iteration of Bray Wyatt. Whatever that is, people are intrigued. People are excited. This belongs on the list. It's great stuff. We got Edwin B who sends in our first super chat of the day. Thank you so much to Edwin. Um, once again, if you guys want to help support the show, you're more than welcome to send in a super chat. Edwin says, with Bray Wyatt back, do you see Bray Wyatt and Cody Rhodes both using a new finishing move or do you have both keeping the move, having them on different brands? Personally, I would like Bray with a new move. Um, I didn't think about this. I don't really see Sister it as Abigail. an issue for me. Yeah, Sister Abigail isn't the same as Crossroads. It's similar, but it's not the same. There you go. Answer solved. <laughs> like one, ha one has the opponent. They're both bent over backwards, but one has the head and front. The, the setup the looks the same. I think that's what it is too. Yeah, it's just one. Like yeah, the head is in front. The other has the head behind. They're different finishers. And the thing is, Bray was around when Cody was around. Like Cody only left in 2016. Bray Wyatt debuted in 2013. They've been around each other before. This is not uh, the first time. For any of that. So keep everything as is. Thumbs yeah. up. Edwin, thank you so much for sending the first super chat of the day. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. Okay, let me catch up with all of the comments now because we got a lot of different uh, a lot of different things coming in, et cetera. So I think this is great conversation all around, man. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and hop into uh, my third best pick of the week. And so I think 
what <laughs> now you're making me nervous i feel like i gotta gotta meet your like high expectations okay so my third best of the week is uh i went to the aw side of things and there was quite a couple of things that I feel legitimately could have been on this list. But at the end of the day, I re I ended up choosing my all of my best moments based on my personal reaction to all of them. Okay. okay. And I went with Pac and Trent Beretta on Battle of the Bouts because for multiple reasons. First and foremost, this was Pac's second match of the night and not even like second match and then he had a break and, you know, then came back, right? No, this was back to back, okay? He had the, you know, the the main event on on Rampage and then kicked off this match with uh, Tramperetta at the opening of the show. This was the match that when it was announced, I was like, all right, th this is going to be the one that is really going to steal the show because, you know, Pac is freaking great. Tramperetta always great he tends to be that guy that you kind of forget is really good until he goes out there and starts doing his thing and you're like holy shit this is good but I think for me it was the fact that it was back-to-back -back matches for Pac and that not once did you ever see him look tired or gassed out or anything like that in fact the match leveled up so much more there was just some really great offense that we saw from Tremperetta I loved like the spear that he did the tornado DDT that he did uh to Pac and then and on top of this, when they did the table spot, I thought, holy shit, that looked brutal. You saw Pac get busted open. And they come back to the ring, and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be the near end of this match. Uh, you know, Pac is pretty much, this is it. Like, he's going to be done. And when he hit the black arrow, I just thought that coming off of that table spot and then mere seconds later going in and doing the black arrow what kind of a human is able to do stuff like that? Like, it's crazy to me. And so that for that reason, I just had this thing where I was like, you know, jumping out of my seat for this particular match. And I didn't totally love the ending, but it did go with the story that they're telling. So it was fine for what it was. Um, So I thought this had to be here on my uh, list just because of the excitement that I felt seeing uh, Pac and Tremperetta. Let me tell you. Uh, so not avoiding the, uh, the, the little bit of the elephant in the, the room of pro wrestling this week. Uh, so earlier this week, there was stuff that went down Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idolo, right? Andrade, of course, was scheduled to compete on Rampage. He was supposed to face, um, 10 of the Dark Order. He was supposed to have a match that was mask versus career and on, Wednesday night, things went down and it was announced that the Andrade match was off and it was being replaced with Death Triangle versus the Dark Order. And my immediate thought was, well, what does that mean for Pac versus Trent? Because uh, that's supposed to happen too. Pac's not going to work twice. That's crazy. And so I reached out to AEW to get clarification on that because I'm like, okay, so does that mean you're also changing those matches? And they responded, no, Pac's working twice. And I went, what? Uh, and they're like, yeah, Pac's pulling double duty. Uh, he's got two titles, and he will be defending both. And I thought, well, that's crazy. How could this be? And uh, so when I had tweeted that, when I tweeted Pac is working both, I had already gotten confirmation from AEW that that was happening uh, because I felt like I needed clarity, right? I thought with that happening, we'd get two watered-down matches, essentially. And instead, complete opposite. 
Pack, as you mentioned, goes balls to the wall in both and turns it up in the second one. And these are back-to-back matches with different opponents. Like, mind-blown completely. This was right? fantastic. I was right? so happy with this. This was so great. I'm glad this was your pick. Like I said, I, mine was blown when I was told Pack was going to work two matches in one night. Uh, and I thought, oh, that's crazy. And I thought, well, maybe at least they'll like do it smart. Maybe they open dynamite with one and then close battle of the belts with the other so that's what i like, thought yeah so he gets like an hour rest in between no this man didn't even leave the ring it was like rampage ends and then we get pyro for battle of the belts and they're like well pack is already in the ring because he just had a match bring out Trent Beretta. <laughs> great stuff are you kidding me this was outstanding this was yeah. probably um i won't say Pack's best AEW performance because I still feel like that's the but Iron it Man stood, match. But it's it stood, up, but it stood it's out. Up there. It's up there. I agree with you. Trent is uh, – he definitely deserves his due at some point because uh, he has always come through as a performer. He's Great one of the guys I'm hoping we eventually see the TNT championship belt on. I legitimately think that he can have just like bangers with just about anybody. Um, but we got some comments here. This one's from Tim Gordon who says, I thought Pac would be in the opener of Rampage and the closer of Battle of the Bouts. Turns out, no. Uh, exactly. Mike M says, Pac is a 60-minute man. Bro, at this point, I'm convinced he can do a full two hours straight, man. <laughs> at this he, point. He really could. I don't know. Alrighty, so there you go. That was uh, my third best, Will's third best. So now let's get into uh, Will's second best of the week. Um, I thought we paid off MJF versus Wheeler Yuta quite well. I thought that um, we talked about how the first week was a little shaky. It was great for MJF, MJ, uh, but Yuta didn't look so great out there at Grand Slam. And then uh, the following week in Philadelphia, it felt like Yuta really came through and got to to show out and stand toe-to-toe with MJF. And so it was time for these two to have a match. And the cool thing is this match was built while simultaneously being the build to something much bigger, right? Because the bigger thing is MJF challenging John Moxley, who is the head member of the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, and so this was still just a stopgap thing on the way to that, but it still worked out because Wheeler Yuta is still tied to Moxley and all that still goes together. So with all of that said, I thought the match in opening Dynamite, the Dynamite Anniversary Edition, really paid off. Um, I thought this was uh, excellent stuff. I thought that uh, just the action in the ring was exactly what I wanted to see out of Wheeler Yuta, um, exactly what I wanted to see out of MJF. I thought that Wheeler had already had kind of a breakout performance earlier this year against John Moxley. And so getting to do that against MJF here uh, and really make MJF, you know, MJF is a character who in the ring needs to be humbled a bit, but ultimately comes out on top. And that's what I felt like we got out of this. He, he was humbled a bit in that he thought Yuta would be kind of a walk in the park. He wasn't. But at the same time, MJF got the victory. The other thing I liked about this, by the way, is that this was also MJF's first true victory in a long time. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, he's been showing out for a while. It's like, hey, this guy turned out he had a great match with Darby. I thought it was the match of the night at Full Gear last year. Um, he's had great matches with CM Punk. He's had great matches all around. And he's gotten wins in these matches. But the difference here is that um, the MJF cheated in all those matches. He never really came out on top 
looking like he got a solid victory out of him. And this was the first time where he had a big, solid performance, went through a commercial break. It was a good, long match um, that was just great action between them. I thought Bryce did a great job as referee as well. And at the end of it all, MJF got a decisive, good, clean victory over a hard-fought match. That It's been a while since we've seen him do that. This was what he needed. This is what we need a world champion to look like. He's really feeling world championship ready. Dude was freaking shredded. Uh, this was an easy number two. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that it was good for both guys, really, because it just uh, I think it just leveled up Wheeler Yuta a little bit more to go in there and have this match with MJF. And then MJF, like you said, it did feel like a long time, not only of seeing him in singles action, but also seeing him, you know, get the win in this fashion. Right. And I think the one thing we do need to talk about is the crowd reaction, too, because they were freaking loving it. Like, yeah. Every second, and there was the, you know, the point uh, towards, like, uh, somewhere in the middle when they were both knocked down, uh, it was just like, you know, it felt like a little standing, I forgot whether they were chanting this is awesome, or they had like a little standing ovation at this point, but the point is they had a really great reaction, and that was something that I think can't be ignored, so I'm glad that they really turned this into something special, because it could have easily flopped based off what we just saw in the beginning, and it did it. They found a way, they made it work, and it ended up being good entertaining TV, and I kind of want to keep seeing this until, you know, we finally see uh, MJF and John Moxley, which I I'm assuming is maybe going to happen full gear i don't know for sure is it happening a full gear my, that we've know of so far my thought is full gear right um, it's just a prediction though right yeah, it's now just okay a prediction. It, it's not confirmed or anything but uh that's the working theory oh i didn't even talk about the 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 cherry on top of this ice cream sundae but after the match was over um code of honor being observed wheeler yuda goes to shake his hand mjf is actually considering it but he's jumped uh but but yuda is then jumped by lee moriarty uh and MJF said, I didn't tell you to do that. And Stokely's like, come on, man. We're here for you. And uh, Stokely hands him the dynamite diamond ring. MJF about to use it. And Regal stands up in the most nonchalant <laughs> William Regal way possible. Puts on the knucks. The crowd is going crazy for this. We And William Regal starts making his way down to the ring. Knucks in tow. And... Uh, MJF bails like a heel would. That was so <laughs> excellent. William Regal has been honestly one of the shining elements of AEW as of late. I love Regal and him just even motioning that he's going to knock MJF, uh, MJF out with his world famous brass knucks was great stuff. I love that as well. Yeah, thumbs up on that. I think William Regal related tends to work. All right. My second best of the week. So I chose something AEW-ish. Well, AEW-ish. AEW for number three. Number two, I decided to go with Impact Wrestling. I, this is what I was excited for because you watched a lot this weekend. Yeah, I did. I weekend. did. I have like I, so much uh, in here <laughs> right now. I ended up going to a show Friday. I went to an indie show Friday, so I wasn't <laughs> able to see Bound for Glory. Um, but I'm curious what you ended up picking from Impact. So... I'm going with Masha Slamovich versus Jordan Grace for the Impact Knockouts Championship. 
And there's plenty of reasons why I chose this match because first and foremost, we went in there thinking, or at least I went in there thinking, okay, this is going to be Masha Slamovich's moment. She has been on an undefeated streak. She's going to win the Impact Knockouts Champion. Now, Will, you know when fans have it set in their mind that so-and-so is going to win. And then if they don't, you're usually like, what the fuck? Why didn't they win, right? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, I did not have that reaction for this match. One, because even though Masha Slamovich has been on this undefeated streak, uh, Jordan Grace is like one badass. Like she's going out there and the stuff that she's doing in the ring, it's incomparable. No, like there's not a lot of people that can do what Jordan Grace does. Right. And the way that she does it. Okay, so the way that I describe this is two legitimate alpha females that you have right here with Masha and with Jordan. There's not one that I think is less believable than the other in terms of being like a legitimate badass. Okay. Great. So the match itself, there was a moment. So, the, you know, everything that they did was great, but there was a moment where uh, Masha finally gets the snowplow on Jordan Grace. But when she did, when Jordan landed, Jordan landed so close to the ropes that her when Masha went for the pin, it couldn't happen because instantly Jordan's foot landed right underneath the rope. So it was like perfect positioning for all of that, right? So uh, it basically told the story of like Masha almost got the win. It's just that, you know, the proximity of where Jordan Grace landed ended up kind of screwing her in that moment. Okay, so you're thinking if Jordan Grace is going to get the win on somebody like Masha Slamovich, who has been legitimately, you know, you know, undefeated and whatnot, and they've built up this monster for Masha, you're thinking, okay, how are they going to either have Masha Slamovich, Slamovich win or have Jordan Grace defeat her? So Jordan does a uh, Grace driver from the second rope on Masha Slamovich. And it was, it looked freaking phenomenal. Like it was a big, high impact like move. So it looked believable in terms of like, if you're going to defeat Masha Slamovich, it can't be with some little tiny thing, right? It's got to be like legit. And the fact that she did it off of the uh, second rope, it just looked so much more impressive. So it was a believable way to take out a monster that they've been building like Masha Slamovich. So for me, the whole entire storytelling was phenomenal in this match. The fact that, you know, both Jordan and Masha are two people to get excited about on the show. That's a whole other thing. Uh, there was just a lot that I really enjoyed from here. So I had to put this one as my best for uh, for this week. Dope. Yes. I, I only got to see pictures. and um, <laughs> I, I, I Watch thought... this match. It's pretty good. It's, it's okay. well worth If you're going to watch anything from Bound for Glory, I'd suggest this match. Frankie Kazarian, Mike Bailey, and of course the Josh Alexander Eddie Edwards match. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've heard good things about all of the above. So yeah, and we got everybody just putting over Slamovich and putting over this match being excellent, etc. And yeah, I completely uh, agree with everybody uh, here today. Uh, and yeah, Ace also mentions that I forgot that Masha Slamovich uh, knocked out of the Grace Driver the first time. The first time that she did it, uh, Masha didn't, you know, stay down. So that was really cool. All right, so now since we are switching things up, we're not going to go into our our first best. We're going to go into our worst and then keep our best of the week uh, for the ending of the show as the big reveal. Um, shout out to the awesome fan that suggested this format. Uh, so here we go. Will, what was your worst of the week? Uh, this was tough because a lot of bad stuff happened this week. 
And <laughs> the good news is my best and worst are on polar opposite sides, as they should be. But we have to talk about the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, this, just get rid of the belt, please. It's it's over. Uh, Ronda Rousey versus Liv Morgan, Extreme Rules, was so bad. Um, somebody told me don't even bother. Because I, I got to Extreme Rules late. And I didn't get into it until the strap match was happening. Uh, it was like part way through and I saw the ending and I was like, Oh God, I'm... I, I tweeted, Hey, is there anything I should watch on the show? And everybody's like, Hey, watch the opener. Um, watch the, they said, but avoid the SmackDown women's title match. And then uh, also avoid the strap match. Cause those were stinkers. Uh, but then everything else is pretty good. And so I watched the show live and then went back. I watched the opener, enjoyed it, but I left the show on. And then I did make my way to the SmackDown women's title match. And I fully regret doing so because I would love to just continue having a more positive view of Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. And instead I do not because what was this? Um, Liv Morgan took every bump in this match. Ronda Rousey took none. If that was going to be the case, just don't do extreme rules. Um, but then also, it was also just like stupid. Um, the, <laughs> the Everything from the fire extinguisher to um, Liv being trapped in between the apron and screaming at Ronda and uh, and then Ronda just hitting her like that sucked the none of the action here was was any good at all and they were like trying their hardest to uh, mask the lack of any good action here with you know the bells and whistles of an extreme rules match but none of it looked any good none of it made any sense and then at the end of it all, um, the, the, the powerbomb through the broken table was so bad. Um, I just I couldn't believe what I was watching. And this went on for like, it felt like 20 minutes, but apparently it was only 12 minutes. Um, <laughs> I can't believe how bad this match was. I've already been feeling for a while that uh, WWE does not need two women's titles. Um, and the reason they don't need two women's titles to me is because they merged everything else. So now the rest of them all feel like complete titles, except for the women feel like now they have half a championship because the tag team titles, those are merged. Women's and men's uh, are both dual branded. We've got Roman walking around with two titles. But yet on the women's side, we've got half a championship on e either side. And it'd be one thing if they were both like quality scenes, but they're not. We have one that's this, and uh, I, I, I think the rehabilitation of Ronda's segments have been pretty good. But for the most part, none of this stuff's delivering in the way that Raw stuff feels like a legitimate world title scene. This sucks, um, and I'm sorry that it sucks, but this is really, really bad, and uh, this got my worst of the week. See, I, you know, the fans, I think, hated it and you hated it a lot more than I did. I think I, I think I was trying to find like the positives in it. So I watched it differently, but I hated the finish, though. I definitely hated the finish. At first, I thought, OK, this could work. This could look this could be something. And then the finish when it actually happened, like I said, this on the post show review was it literally looked just like Rhonda just sat on Liv Morgan's face. And that was like it because I didn't think the camera angle was too great either, because really all you could see was just like 
Rhonda sitting on Liv Morgan's face. So I didn't like that aspect of it. I didn't like a lot of the bad stuff that they did. But for the most part, I was like, all right, fine. You know, they've been pushing Liv Morgan to be this like edgier person. So, you know, maybe she can get a believable win out of Ronda Rousey in this match. And that was legitimately what I was hoping for. And it didn't happen. That was the one match that I got wrong in my predictions, Will. I almost got perfect predictions on this show. And God damn it, Liv and Ronda ruined it for me. But uh, I didn't think it was as bad as everybody else did. But I think I was just kind of hoping for a different type of outcome. But the finish itself, I thought was horrible for sure. Um, and then I'm curious to see what Ronda Rousey as SmackDown Women's Champion is going to look like under this, this new regime. I'm hopeful. I hope that they could really utilize the star power that Ronda Rousey has and, you know, not make it feel so deflated. Because I think for a while it started to feel deflated on WWE where she didn't have that same uh, Ronda Rousey aura that she had when she first came in. And I'm like, why would they, how would they, how did they manage to water down Ronda Rousey's aura? Like, please, let's get that back up there because there's so much that you can do just with, the, you know, Ronda Rousey and her name alone, right? So I, I then also for Liv Morgan, I think it's just unfortunate that her reign was really nothing that um, it really wasn't much. And that's unfortunate, too, because I wanted to see Liv Morgan. You know, she had her when she won the title, when she first got the money in the bank and then she pinned Ronda Rousey and she cashed in on Ronda Rousey and got the title. It was one of those things that it was like, yes, finally, you know, somebody who who, you know, was constantly being shoved down, looked aside, cast aside, whatever you want to say, is finally getting their moment, right? And everybody was so happy and all of this. You remember Michael Cole's reaction? Everybody's reaction was like, yes, you go live. Like we're finally getting it. And then it was just like, ooh, maybe that wasn't the greatest idea, you know? So that really sucks. Well, in general, uh, I have been very anti-money in the bank for at least like six oh, years Oh, come on, now. Will. It's fun. I love no, the money I hate in the, the bank. I hate the money in the bank. And the reason I just I hate, hate when they don't do the winners justice. Like when they make it all but hokey like what they did with Otis. They haven't in a long time, though. And that's why it's been kind of a dud to me. Like look at the last few winners, right? The uh, We had last year with Big E. His title reign was a dud. And I didn't want it to be, by the way. But big Big E fan. I was very disappointed in how I thought he did everything right off camera and how much he was doing publicly and then on camera they just got it wrong constantly um biggie uh was a dud um nikki ash a complete dud uh year before that otis didn't even get the cash in um he, and didn't he end up losing the briefcase in the freaking lawsuit the with the miz he lost it to the miz <laughs> with, through, through a lawsuit right isn't that well, what they, they did having a, they had a match they ended up had a match right okay they see i don't even remember the match i just remembered the lawsuit Right, and then Asuka, like, never had a cash-in moment. She was just handed the belt. And the rain wasn't all that good for Asuka either. Um, and then, and but to be fair, that was the pandemic era stuff. But then, like, uh, I don't know. I just feel like the money in the bank has lost its luster over the years. It's It's got to be rebuilt. Um, I'm really glad that they have patience for uh, Austin Theory right now. But I thought Liv Morgan was just another example of when you don't build up people's title victories, because to me, it's like money in the bank is a cheat code that they, they're constantly running with where, look, we don't have the time or patience to actually like build somebody up and, and really make their title victory matter. So we're just going to give them this briefcase. They win the championship. But there's the fallout is always the same, which is that the fans lose interest and you end up having to go back 
to whatever it was you were doing before. And again, it happened across the board. It keeps happening. I'm kind of done with money in the bank. Find some other way to build people up. Find some other way to... Like, it's not like the Royal Rumble, where the Royal Rumble is um, you earn the title shot through the match, and then you have two months to get you to the next step. The Royal Rumble is still a, a solid tried and true concept that has not worn out its welcome but that goddamn briefcase i am so over and uh i don't know what the plan is for austin theory i ha i know what my plan is which is that he somehow just makes it to a year and like forgets to cash in and they're like sorry your briefcase has expired he'd be the first person to do it but uh no i live Liv didn't work out. Um, I, th I I'm interested in seeing what they they're clearly trying something new with her, and it seems like they are gonna try and make some changes to the character. And they uh, have to and, right now. They yeah, have it, to. This this unfortunately tainted her, and especially this last match that got such bad reviews across the board. Uh, yeah, they have to do something to switch it up for sure. All right, before we get to my uh, worst of the week, because I'm stalling because. <laughs> haven't decided which way to go so consider this me stalling but we did get a super chat here from jb's productions it says question for denise who's the best podcast buddy sean or will well will doesn't mute me unless he does right now nope, no okay i was waiting for it i was like this is going to be revenge so with that being said i'm gonna have to go with will just because he hasn't muted me yet yes <laughs> thank you jb that on our raw post show like Two months ago, and that's okay. Um, oh shit, I forgot. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But that, to be fair, was revenge for Quizzlemania. True. So therefore, we are even in that regard. That's true. That is very true. Well, but JB, hey, I got picked over Sean. So. <laughs> JV Productions, thank you so much for sending in the super chats. Dearly appreciated. Seriously. All right. So here we go. Time for my worst of the week. And I'm, I still haven't decided because I have two things that I could put on here. Now, I didn't feel as passionately about hating the Ronda Rousey-Liv Morgan match as you did. So I can't put that one there. There's two directions that I can go. One, I can go the direction of the news cycle. And that's obviously talking about everything that happened with Sammy and Andrade. Okay? That was legitimate. That was tacky. That was all sorts of things, right? But... Because I feel we've talked that to death on uh, Day After Dynamite. And when we talked about it there, I talked about it on Speak Now Pro Wrestling. So while that was legitimately the worst thing of the week, Andrade and Sammy's beef, I'm going to go with something for the TV show that I saw on a TV show just for the sake of having a different conversation. And with that being said, I'm going with Bully Ray winning the <laughs> Call Your Shot gauntlet on Impact Wrestling. Because... Why? <laughs> is that Will? Is that what you were expecting from me today? I'm sorry, so uh, but it was one of those things, Will, where it happened, right? And it had all of these people that I was like, oh, you know, I could see. Like my pick for this for the Call Your Shot Gauntlet was Steve Macklin. I'm like, okay, like it makes perfect sense to have Steve Macklin win based on the story they've been telling. Blah blah blah. I thought Steve Macklin was gonna win, okay? And then I thought, okay, if he doesn't win, maybe Rich Swan, that'll be a good option. Or you know, and there's Eric Young was in there. There was a bunch of other options, is what I'm trying to get at. And then they just decided to go with something that was just so out of the blue. And it's like, oh, Bully Ray's back and he wins the call your shot gauntlet. 
oh, and now he's going to be Josh Alexander's next opponent. So instead of having this feeling of like, hell yeah, Bound for Glory was a great show, like the final moments, right? Instead, I was like, well, this is where we're going because the closing shot was Josh Alexander and Bully Ray, you know, face to face with, you know, the the title and all of that and the call your shot gauntlet thing. So it was one of those things where I kind of felt deflated after that, where I thought, oh, come on. On and I really just feel like they were doing so much with Steve Macklin for them all of a sudden to be like, nah, turn to the side. We're bringing this, you were bringing back Bully Ray, and you know, he's gonna be the winner. It was one of those things I think just kind of sucked the fun out of the room. So that was my worst of the week. Yeah, let me put this into perspective for people who who don't follow Impact. Bully Ray had his peak run in Impact in 2013. So let's uh, analogize this by looking at who was having a, a top run in WWE in 2013. Alberto Del Rio. Could you imagine if in a 2022 Royal Rumble match, if like Alberto Del Rio was a surprise entrant in the Rumble and won? And they were just like, hey, and then we're he... going with Roman Reigns versus Alberto yes! Del Rio. Yes, and then he challenges Roman Reigns. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like, I, it's like, it's not even so much that Bully Ray isn't my favorite performer, and he's not my favorite performer. But, God, we are so past Bully Ray in all aspects of pro wrestling. And for him to return win that battle royal and get a shot at the title. It, it's it's just no good. And it and again and people are like, well Edge just won the Royal Rumble. I see that in the chat. Uh, thank you, Viking Tees. But like a little bit different, right? Because Edge was one of those career ended in a fashion where he didn't get any we didn't really get closure on it. We didn't really move on. We've been clamoring to see Edge back, so that was a cool thing. Uh, no impact fan was saying hey you know what we need back bully ray you know what we miss the aces and eights you know what um bring back brooke hogan while we're at it let's just do it all again uh no i'm like no there is nothing about this i wanted to see as far as impact is concerned i like i said i was at um an indie show shout out to lucha libre laughs uh of denver because that was great stuff um but yeah, I, I my group chat kind of lit up with, uh, you see that Bully Ray just won, like Bully Ray's getting the shot at the title at Josh Alexander. I, I can see your frustration there. I can see why. Yeah, you that. and that's the thing too. It's not like Impact doesn't have all these other guys that you could have put in this spot. There's a million guys you could have put on this spot. You know, there was a couple guys that weren't even on the show. So it is one of those things where it's like, well, was it really needed? No. If this was a situation where you're like, holy shit, this was needed. All right, great, but this wasn't that situation. So for that being said, it's my worst of the week uh, in terms of what I felt was I felt like womp womp, you know. But we got uh, we got we still got our first best of the week to talk about since we're keeping we're building up the momentum. But before we do, uh, we got a super chat here from Sheldon Jackson. Thank you so much to Sheldon, who's constantly supporting like all my shows. Thank you very much. Sheldon says, do you think they didn't put it on Macklin because uh, whoever won the trophy was going to lose and didn't want that to happen to Macklin, but have him straight up without it? See, here's the thing, though, with that. Let's say, huh? Educate him, Denise. Well, here's the thing, like, 
let's say that they didn't want Steve Macklin to lose to Josh Alexander. Okay. But here's the thing. Josh Alexander is like this whole, his, his run as champion has been freaking magnificent. Like all of the matches that he's been having that I've seen, because I, you know, I watch all of the small pay-per-views and the big pay-per-views and all of that. And everything that I've seen on those shows is just like the, he, to me right now, is the champion that is having the best matches. And I know some people are going to be like, what do you mean about that? I'm sorry, but Josh Alexander is having phenomenal matches as champion. Uh, he's having great matches. So I feel like Steve Macklin losing to Josh Alexander and the caliber of champion that he is was not going to take away from everything that Steve Macklin was going to do. In fact, him losing the call your shot gauntlet was more, uh, to me, is worse than him if he would have lost, if he would have gone up and faced Josh Alexander to have this match with Josh Alexander for the championship and then lose. Because now he doesn't even seem like a worthy contender, let alone. Exactly. Yeah, like you don't even put him in this position if that's your long-term plan. Exactly. You get beat by Bully Ray or you get beat by Josh Alexander. I want to get beat by Josh Alexander. So I'm sorry, like, I feel they could have, it was the, it was the the next step for Steve Macklin, the next logical step for Steve Macklin. And they kind of just, you know, they just went pause, buddy. Like they just like blocking him from moving forward. Uh, so personally, that's kind of how I felt about this. And I know right away, a lot of people were going to go with, oh, maybe they didn't want, you know, Steve Macklin to lose to Josh Alexander. Nah, but instead let's have him lose to, Bub- to freaking Bully Ray on this call your shot gauntlet, you know? Yeah. So... That's kind of where I'm at. My name is not Arrow says, yeah, Josh Alexander is good. Unfortunately, no one has seen it. It does suck because, you know, I do see the lack of interest that people have in Impact Wrestling. Like, I'm not blind. You see it. But it does suck because he is legitimately putting out some freaking great work out there. Um, But, you know, people will eventually see it, I guess. Impact's goodwill is kind of burned with um, people because of kind of years of mismanagement. And uh, they're on... Uh, access TV good for them in that I think because what they were on pursuit before this dude um, they were like on everything the hunting channel America something uh, America's uh, destination De- America destination uh, America yeah. well, Pop yeah, TV. Funny. <laughs> well, funny thing about impact and all of their moves is I think uh, I think what it's like impact and Smackdown like hold the record for most TV networks of any show like in history um, in terms of changing networks, um, I think Impact has surpassed SmackDown. But, uh, I, you know, the funny thing is Impact is more in a position now like WCW was where WCW never had a TV deal, right? Like not at any point in their entire run did they have a TV deal. Well, the benefit of what WCW had was um, they were owned by the network or the company that owned the network. So they didn't need a TV deal necessarily, but at the same time, that's also where the money comes from. So if you're not making money from the network, then uh, you need that middleman in there. Impact for a long time has been trying to find TV deal for TV deal where they went to Spike, then they were on Pop, then they were on, um, yeah, they did Destination America and Pursuit and all of that. Now they at least have the stability of being on a network that's owned by Anthem. But also... It's a network that has less exposure than it had when Ring of Honor was on um, Access or back when it was HDNet. And on top of that, there's now no direct money coming in from the network because they own it. So it's it's tough. And uh, I think Impact is a very unsellable product now. 
um, when you look at the advertising it gets. Like, I, when I watch it, by the way, I watch it on Access because I do still get Access on my cable package. Um, and the commercials you see are like the stuff advertised to senior citizens uh, because it's cheap. That is a really bad look for the program as well. So, like, it's tough, and I hate seeing that for Impact um, because I think there's great stuff in Impact's history, but it's kind of too little too late for that promotion. They're kind of always going to exist as what they are today. Like, kind of always in the, you know, the, I don't know how to say, because the work is phenomenal, which is crazy to me sometimes that I'm, like, top to bottom, the shows are great, but there's just not – uh, much outside interest. Like, I feel like the people that are still watching religiously, like, that's just, you know, they're, you know, that's what they're supporting. That's like they're, you know, you're, they're already hardcore fans. You know, that's like their fan base. But it does suck that there doesn't seem to be an influx or a wave of, you know, these new people coming out here as well. I was like, wait, Denise Salcedo's on the Sorry, chat? I, I commented that and then I was like, Smackdown. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah Smackdown was also on sci fi. Yeah. yeah. So somebody I love was it. like, uh, that commented the networks they were on, but forgot one. Oh, okay. So. Okay. Got it. I was like, wait, Denise Alcedo, someone hijacked my personality. My identity was stolen. I, I did because I. <laughs> <laughs> um, all, right. all right. Where are we at? We still need uh, our best, our best of the Smash week. But before we get there, though, just a heads up to everybody. If you've been enjoying the show, Will and I are live every Sunday. Uh, so please keep an eye out here. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the channel. The channel is growing. Thank God, finally. Uh, so please make sure you guys click that subscribe button. Uh, yesterday, I did a watch along for uh, Extreme Rules, and it turned out to be freaking phenomenal. Like, there's almost 10K views on that video, or 10K already. I don't even know. But we had, like... Over 300, nearly 400 people at one point watching the watch along, which was kind of crazy to me. But I seriously want to thank everybody that tuned in for that. And this weekend, this coming weekend, I will be in Mexico for uh, Triple Mania. So be expect tons of interviews, hopefully. Tons of interviews from that uh, here on the channel. And then I still need to apply to Full Gear, Will. I haven't applied yet, but I still I need to apply. The stuff I know. <laughs> I know. I just keep forgetting. I'm, it's on my list. It's on my to-do list. I'm going to do Literally, it. Literally, I have an autofill on on that like i don't even have to do anything but like click one time and it just populates everything into the form and then it, it did that to me last time but i need to i don't know if it's if it's still saved on there but i gotta do that but uh either way keep an eye out because i will have full gear content i am going to royal rumble so there'll be some royal rumble content at some point well when royal rumble comes y'all know when that is all right so now let's do this here we go our best of the week will what was your first best thing Best pick of the week. Best thing you saw in wrestling. All right, folks. My number one. You should have guessed it because I said that my best and my worst were on opposite ends of the spectrum. So, therefore, if my worst was the SmackDown women's title match, of course my best is the Raw women's title match from Extreme Rules, uh, the latter match that saw Bianca Belair successfully defend the Raw women's championship against Bayley. This was a gosh dang hoot. Um, I was convinced that with Bailey having all of the advantages because uh, all of Bianca's comrades had been taken out, that this was the time to put the belt on Bailey. Would have been fine with that. But Bianca overcoming all of that on her own, hitting a double KOD on both members of Damage Control, that was actually kind of sick. Uh, and. This was, of course, first women's title or first women's ladder match on 
main roster WWE television. Uh, and I thought it delivered. I thought that both went out there, told an excellent story, um, but also had just some excellent, clean, solid action in a ladder match. This is probably my second favorite ladder match this year. Uh, I thought that, um, yeah, just Bianca went out there and showed out. Um, I thought after that first KOD she hit, uh, I didn't think we'd see another one in the match. Um, Bailey came off believably like she could win at multiple times. There was a spot where they were both on top of the ladder. She grabbed Bianca's braid and pulled it through. And uh, I thought, oh, that's like perfect. Go grab the belt now. That's that's the moment. And then Bianca just continued to show she was uh, resilient. She looked triumphant here. Somebody compared her to John Cena. And I think that's unfair because I think she in almost every way, shape, and form, is better than John Cena. Um, and, uh, like, argue that with your mom, I guess. But to me, I think that Bianca is just proving to be... I said she's in the conversation for the best uh, the best NXT success story, and I'm really feeling that here. She just is reminding us that she is... Uh, what you want out of a star women's performer that you built from the ground up that uh, has had two of the best women's WrestleMania moments ever. And just this match here uh, was just proof again that she's becoming the blueprint. She is everything she says she is. She's everything they say they want her to be. This match ruled. But Bailey. Bailey also deserves props for this as well. I thought that being Bailey's first big performance since her return at SummerSlam, uh, she had something to prove here, and I think she proved everything she needed to. She was believable at every point, like she could walk away with this win. I guess I sensed a little bit of boo-boo face in her entrance, and I was like, hmm, she doesn't really come off like somebody who's going to win, and sure enough, she didn't. But as far as the performance in the match was concerned, uh I just had a lot of fun with it. This was the best thing I saw all week. Bianca Belair and Bailey, Raw Women's Championship on the line, ladder match. Zero complaints. <sighs> MCASPedo64 says, Will just took Denise's number one. She's mad. Well, Will, you did steal my number oh, one wow. pick. Okay, that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> my number one pick of the best thing I saw in wrestling this week. See, she has a boo-boo face too. What I got boo-boo <laughs> face right now was also <laughs> Bailey and Bianca. And here's the thing. I freaking knew that match was going to rock. That was the match I was most looking forward to like this whole week uh, aside from Masha and Jordan. Like this was the match that I was like, all right, like this is going to bang. I'm so excited for it. And I was torn. I didn't know who was really going to get this win, but I ended up going with Bianca Belair in this. And I'm glad I did because like a majority of the people thought that it was going to be Bailey getting this win. And I would have been totally okay with Bailey winning, but I just felt that it made, uh, it would have been, I think a little bit, well, obviously a little bit more unexpected to have Bianca win this mainly because, well, here's the reason why I'm glad she won this because I feel like, they don't have to keep switching the belt all the time, right? Like, I love long title reigns. That's been, like, my thing. Uh, we already know what they did. You know, they did Bianca dirty with that whole Becky Lynch return. I don't even want to talk about that. They did her dirty during that. Whatever. So the thing is, though, with Bianca, if you look back at, like, some of her history, she is really good at, like, having these first big moments. Like, these big moments, she always 
thrives in that, especially when she has a lot of these first. So I feel like having this ladder match with Bailey, to me, it made sense for the Bianca Belair uh, persona, for her history, for just like, you know, getting that legacy cemented for her to get this win. And so for me, I thought it was pretty, uh, I thought, like, I remember thinking, okay, if Bianca wins this match, it's going to feel pretty special. And it definitely was. You already ran down through some of the things that happened during this match. So I don't got to do that. But I do want to give a shout out, though, to that freaking uh, KOD for the finish with the ladder that Bailey was holding. That was a phenomenal finish. And I mentioned this on the post show that I did with Sean last night was it also kind of reminded me of the Jordan Masha finish where it was like, you got to do something big to take out your opponents so that you can be like, okay, you know what? That's a very believable way for this person to lose. And that's exactly what they did with Jordan and Masha. And that was exactly what they did here with Bailey and Bianca. So I did like, you know, just kind of, I don't know. I did like seeing that. So I loved that finish. Um, I don't know what to say. Incredible athleticism from from both. Obviously, uh, Bianca is just like, dude, like she's just crazy. Like I was thinking during my watch along, I was thinking, it is not fair that Bianca has all of these skills. Like she's not out there just being athletic and shit, but she does her own wardrobe. Uh, you know, come on. I I can't do any of that. Well, it's not fair. <laughs> well, but the point is the it was ESC, a phenomenal match. So, yeah. So I'm glad that we both had it as our first best pick of the week. But we got a super chat here from Mac Bronson who says, uh, Bianca's the pure performance center talent that the Fed has produced. I love Mac. I'm always going to give a shout-out to Mac. <laughs> Mac from Brooklyn, you're always going to get a shout-out because you've been a supporter of mine for... Dude, has it been like 13 years? I feel like the first time I ever saw Mac's name appear on anything had to have been like 2008, 2009-ish. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mac. Um, but you'll always get a shout-out from me. I love it. Well, shout out to Mac. Very special shout out. Um, all right, guys. So there you go. I love how everybody's like putting over this match too. Very happy to see everybody putting over uh, Bianca and Bailey. But now that is it for our show today. We will be back next week. I will be uh, streaming from Mexico. So let's see how that all works out. Uh, well, I don't know what the time's going to look like. I'll message Will once I get all of the details sorted out. Um, but keep an eye out here because I will have the stream and everything posted or keep an eye on social medias, either mine or uh, Will's, because we do post all of that on there. Uh, but before we go, um, Will, please let the people know where they can find you. Well, first off, not only will you be able to find me a lot this week, but Denise and I are kind of like joined at the hip for the next week because we were just on Day After Dynamite together. Tomorrow, we're going to be hosting Raw Post Show. Uh, and then, of course, we do After the Week every single Sunday. Uh, you can also catch me on Grap City every Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, that's at YouTube.com slash Fightful. Yes, definitely check out the two of us, though, tomorrow because we'll be back right here faces probably swapped i don't know which side we're going to be on we'll see uh but either way that's it youtube.com slash fightful all righty guys well there you go uh, as for me twitter and instagram at underscore denise alcedo subscribe to the youtube channel and we'll see you tomorrow on the rob post show on fightful until next time goodbye everybody If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please don't forget to leave me a super nice review and a five-star rating. Plus, make sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Denise Salcedo for funny wrestling, commentary, guest updates, silly live stuff, and more.